China has abruptly suspended outbound shipments of key industrial materials, including urea and ammonium phosphate, reigniting concerns over China's weaponizing of its resources. The U.S. government, meanwhile, has unveiled details on its new EV subsidy rules that may impact companies whose close ties are shared with China. Now, intensifying trade protectionism and South Korea's strategy seems to be our interest, and this is what we're cover on Jamis Focus this morning. For some insights, we now turn to Professor Yang Junsa. Good morning, Professor Yang. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you don't mind, let's first look into the latest details announced by the U.S. Treasury Department on EV subsidy rules. Now, according to the guidelines of the IRA, companies in China or joint venture firms with a Chinese government stake of 25% or higher will be excluded from EV subsidies. Uh, can you tell us more about the newly unveiled guidelines and how much would it impact South Korean EV makers? Okay, well, right now it's not entirely clear, uh, but the impact is uh, likely to be small. Korean companies have been prepared for uh, such a move for a while. Uh, On December 2nd, government held meetings with leading Korean battery companies to examine how much the uh, new rule will affect Korean companies. Now, IRA had passed uh, a couple of years ago, uh, but some of the... uh, ruling some of the uh, government interpretation of the law, uh, well, uh, they're only making it clear step by step. Uh, so uh, some, of the, uh, some of these uh, new rules uh, does come as a surprise. Uh, but uh, because of that, uh, the uh, new guidelines, uh, which says that the uh, uh, c- uh, companies uh, which have joint ventures with uh, Chinese government uh, with a government stake of uh, 25% or more will be excluded from EV uh, subsidies. Uh, but uh, again, uh, the, while there had been some early indications that U.S. would uh, post such a move, even though it had not been official. Uh, so Korean companies have been preparing for such contingencies. In July, LG Chemicals announced that they may consider adjusting its stake on a planned joint venture with a uh, uh, Chinese cobalt, uh, company which uh, mines cobalt uh, because uh, they were worried about uh, this type of interpretation coming in. Uh, so Battery companies have been uh, making contingency plans in place, uh, and that's why the uh, effect on Korean companies uh, are likely to be small. Uh, now, uh, the rule is not completely clear yet. Uh, it is not clear if the uh, U.S. prohibition against imports will only apply to joint ventures with uh, Chinese government-owned f- firms or whether it'll be applied to any firms in China. Uh, So Korean companies are seeking interpretation on that uh, currently. Uh, But U.S. seems to be slowing uh, its uh, finalization of rules concerning the IRA, not only because of the uh, politics involved, diplomacy uh, between U.S. and China, as well as the politics within the U.S., within the Congress, uh, but... uh, Right now, uh, U.S. has offered large incentives for foreign companies to start building EVs and batteries in the United States, uh, and the United States has 
start uh, has been offering subsidies for the uh, American consumers, uh, but uh, because these uh, factories have not yet really uh, started to supply uh, EVs and batteries. The uh, factories are only now beginning to be built for the most part. The uh, United States seems to be reluctant to completely cut off Chinese sourcing for now. Uh, If they cut off the Chinese sourcing, the uh, prices of EVs and batteries are likely to skyrocket. But U.S. is also concerned that the uh, U.S. strategy of technology cut off to China may not be as effective as expected. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, seen in mostly in Huawei, the uh, smartphone company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huawei is under U.S. restriction for technology, but they recently started selling phones with new 5G chips uh, that uh, Huawei has developed in-house. And the U.S. Secretary of Commerce has called such development deeply concerning. And in September, some SK Hynix advanced memory chips were found in Huawei phones. Uh, it seems that Hynix is not responsible for selling the chips to Huawei, but some third party bought the uh, Korean chips and resold it to Huawei. Uh, so uh, U.S. is sort of working with uh they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Mm. Uh, they don't want to cut off China completely uh, because they don't want the uh, domestic prices of their EVs, batteries, smartphones going up too much. Mm. Uh, but then if they uh, uh, maintain these ties with China, well, China is going to take advantage of it by uh, use, uh, trying to get as much technology as possible. Uh, so Korean companies right now are seeking alternative sourcing for uh, components and rare earth and other com- uh, intermediate goods uh, from sources other than China. But uh, usually it's very tough to find alternative sources mm. uh, which are as cheap as China and that's probably the whole problem. Mm. China is just such an inexpensive source for these uh, goods that it's very hard for other uh, sources to match the uh, cost, uh, the uh, cheap cost of China. I mean, speaking of price competitiveness, isn't this why we're having the same conversation on Urea and the headlines recently? I mean, the reason why so many Korean companies still so heavily rely on the Chinese supplies because it's the cheapest one available. Now, here comes a big problem. Uh, the questions of weaponizing resources by China has been brought up again. This is while China tightened its export controls on urea and ammonium phosphate, both key industrial materials. Korea, again, heavily depends on China for its supply. This uh, also follows its export curve slapped in August on gallium and germanium necessary for chip manufacturing, while exports for graphite, a key material for EV battery making, has also been controlled from the start of this month. Uh, the Korean government reassured that there won't be a major crisis when it comes to urea, certainly not like something we saw two years ago. But I wonder, how do you gauge the possible impact on South Korea? Okay, well, according to Customs Office, Korea's dependence on Chinese urea and ammonia had went up. Uh, remember that Korea doesn't uh, produce urea and ammonia on its own, so it's entirely from uh, imports at this point. In 2021, 83.4% of urea and ammonia imports were from China. Uh, 2022, last year, that percentage fell to 71.7%, uh, but this year rose to 91.8%. Uh, so a lot of people are very concerned that uh, uh, 
uh, Korea's dependence on China actually went up despite the shortages that we had two years ago mm. uh, for uh, urea and ammonium phosphate. Uh, but uh, Korea did seem to uh, learn, have learned some lessons. Uh, Korea does have a stockpile of ammonia and urea for at least three months. Private companies also had some stockpiles as well. And Korean government has recently signed a contract with Vietnam for additional ammonia. So right now, the uh, national stockpile is estimated to be about uh, 4.3 months. Uh, unlike two years ago, uh, when uh, Chinese uh, authorities restricted exports of ammonia and Korea didn't know what to do, uh, it seems like we learned the lesson two years ago uh, where we can buy ammonia and uh, urea from. Mm-hmm. And we're using the, uh, the, uh, those sourcings that we saw back then uh, to uh, get uh, new area and ammonia from outside China, like uh, Vietnam. Uh, but why did we uh, concentrate too much on China this year to begin with? Well, that's because the uh, Chinese ammonia and urea were just so much cheaper. Mm. Uh, it was uh, 20% cheaper than uh, Vietnam. Uh, and since importers are uh, out to uh, make money, consumers want their ammonia and urea uh, at as cheap as price as possible, uh, it's natural that the uh, imports will gravitate toward the cheapest source, which in this case is China. Uh, so until consumers, until, uh, in, until consumers uh, perhaps pay more uh, for alternate sourcings of uh, ammonia and urea, or uh, if the government uh, compensates for losses that these importers may take if they come from uh, import ammonia from alternate sources, uh, you're always going to gravitate toward the cheapest source. Mm. And that's uh, what makes diversification of imports so difficult, and not only for Korea, for countries like the United States as well. They're also having mm. similar problems, not for ammonia, but things like uh, uh, masks or uh, 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 surgical masks uh, to prevent uh, corona. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think it should mention that at least for ammonia and urea, this was not perhaps a strategic move on China to choke off Korea or make its displeasure felt. Mm. It seems like, uh, at least according to international reports, uh, China sold too much ammonia and urea to India because mm. India was afraid of uh, shortages in ammonia and urea. Uh, so because they sold too, too much to uh, India, China is having domestic shortages, and that's why they cut off its uh, exports. Uh, remember that uh, ammonia is also used for uh, chemical fertilizers. Mm. Uh, so if uh, China does not have sufficient uh, ammonia, they will be having food production problems. So mm-hmm. at least for urea in China, un- uh, urea and ammonia, unlike uh, rare earth, germanium, it does not seem to be strategically oriented. And not politically motivated this time around. Uh, can we also take a look at short-term and long-term measures proposed by the Korean government? They laid out various support measures for companies in urgent need of some of these key materials, which included extending the tariff rate quota system on urea and ammonium phosphate. Uh, it's also actively looking into ways to diversify import channels. How do you assess a government's countermeasures, Dr. Young? 
Okay, well, uh, I do like the fact that uh, they're lowering tariffs. Mm. Uh, well, uh, as an economist, uh, I think in most cases, free trade is very helpful and reducing the uh, tariffs at this time using a device called tariff quota that's lowering tariffs up to a certain level of imports uh, is very useful. Uh, but this is useful uh, to uh, find alternative sourcing because China is not exporting. If China starts exporting uh, ammonia again, uh, and if even if the uh, tariff quota is in place, well, uh, again, people are going to gravitate toward the cheapest sourcing, so we're going to go back to China. Mm. Uh, the uh, natural question then to ask is why don't we have sort of a what's called a discriminatory tariffs? You only put lower tariffs on. Uh, ammonia that's coming from other places than China, you uh, leave high tariffs on goods in China. United States is sort of doing this, but the problem is this goes against uh, WTO and international trade agreement rules. Uh, mm -hmm. And Korea is at least internationally standing uh, for uh, stronger uh, adherence to international uh, trade rules and WTO rules. Uh, so if Korea does go on with this, uh, if uh, Korea does decide to use this discriminatory tariffs, uh, that means Korea is weakening its own position on uh, international trade rules. So I'm not sure if that will be a wise thing to do. Uh, but uh, the problem is uh, once the uh, China starts uh, selling, uh, exporting its ammonia again, again, they will become the uh, cheapest, force, uh, mm. cheapest source, and uh, Korean importers, I think, will gravitate again toward uh, importing from China than from elsewhere. Hmm. It only makes sense. It's about the bottom line for uh, many of these uh, companies. So to look for the cheapest source, I mean, that's the fundamental uh, of the issue here at hand. Uh, uh, Dr. Some experts stress that the U.S.-led Indo-Pacific economic framework can help Korea find a sustainable alternative to imports from China. But others, of course, including China, argue that such grouping only accelerates global trade protectionism. What are your thoughts on this? I think there's more fundamental problems. Okay. Uh, if we look back at uh, recent history, uh, well, the U.S. Uh, wanted to sort of keep China in check, and the uh, tools that they uh, tool that they decided to use uh, during uh, the uh, w, uh, George W. Bush administration was a regional FTA called the Trans-Pacific Partnership or TPP. Now uh, the uh, Negotiations dragged on for a long time because U.S. wanted a lot of elements in the TPP uh, and uh, the uh, regional countries, Asian countries, accepted a lot of very difficult provisions. For example, significant agricultural market opening for Japan. Uh, but when Donald Trump became uh, president, uh, within days of uh, him becoming president, the U.S. withdrew from the TPP, uh, even though uh, TPP contained a lot of what the United States had insisted that they want. And uh, uh, it was designed to sort of restrict China. Uh, so U.S. Uh, lost its best tool to maintain economic presence in the Asian region and provide counterweight to uh China with Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, so when U.S. withdrew, TPP went on. They renamed it a little bit uh, CPTPP, mm -hmm. uh, but it remains very weak at uh, present. Uh, 
uh, present. Uh, there was some hope during the early Biden administration that U.S. would rejoin the TPP mm-hmm. and Korea considered joining uh, the TPP, CPTPP if the uh, U.S. rejoined, but uh, Biden administration decided not to rejoin, so that plan kind of fell, uh, faded away. Uh, but during the Trump administration, a new formula took uh, position in the uh, U.S. It's called Indo-Pacific Strategy. Uh, basically, U.S. getting India to join forces with its uh, U.S. and other major Asian countries to place a counterweight against China, both in terms of economics and military. Uh, but it's questionable how successful that strategy is. India has been very uh, carefully maintaining its place in the middle between U.S. and China, uh, and it's using its uh, position as leverage to uh, get what it wants from U.S. and China, for example, the ammonia and urea that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the United States has been uh, using this uh, Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, uh, IPF or IPEF, uh, to as a sort of a pseudo replacement for TPP, and it was supposed to have four pillars: uh, trade, uh, uh, supply chain, uh, third pillar being clean energy decarbonization and infrastructure, mm-hmm. and fourth pillar being uh, tax and anti-corruption. And uh, they have been negotiating this for years. Uh, but the interesting thing is, with the trade pillar, the trade component. Uh, there will be very little that's obligatory. There will be no dispute settlement mechanism in case uh, one uh, country uh, disobeyed the agreement. Uh, it wasn't going to be nearly as strong as WTO or other FTAs, and that's because the uh, U.S. Uh, public support for any uh, free trade agreements or the uh, support in the uh, U.S. Congress was very, very weak. Uh, and uh, during the uh, APEC meeting in San Francisco in November, they were supposed to pass agreements on these four pillars for IPEF, uh, but uh, the uh, U.S. Congress uh, brought up objections at the last minute. They did not want a, uh, any type of uh, free trade agreement, even though it's a very weak one. Uh, so Biden administration withdrew the uh, process for approval, uh, final approval during the uh, APEC November meetings. And as a result, we had three pillars piece uh, passed, but not the trade component. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. this trade component was a very weak uh, agreement compared to existing FTAs or uh, WTO. Uh, but even that was not uh, even that really didn't get support within the U.S. Congress. So that just shows how little uh, the uh, U.S. has, uh, uh, U.S. is interested in uh, trade liberalization right now. Mm-hmm. And that really reduces the leverage for uh, U.S. Uh, to uh, influence the uh, Asian uh, countries, at least in the economic sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, I think it is leaving room out for uh, China. The, uh, China does seem to have an advantage here. Okay, uh, that's where we end today's conversation. Thank you very much, Professor Young, uh, for today's insights. Thank you. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.